Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Mom. How are you? I'm okay. What you doing today? Cleaning. That's right. You're cleaning the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> your favorite thing to do. But you get to take a break because we have a guest today and we're speaking with one of my very favorite people in the whole world, um, Mary Kopenschlag. And um, she has a great job and has had an interesting career leading up to it. And I will let her tell Wait, us no. all about that. No. <laughs> Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Oh, right. So Paige, did you want to say something? No. no. Okay, so I think this is where I just do a quick intro, right? Yeah, like a two-minute bio. Okay, um, really quick. I'm from New Mexico, and um, I was actually born just outside of the Navajo Reservation, which I say some of these things because as I look back over my timeline, it's, I feel like it's important in my story and who I am. Um and grew up in New Mexico and loved it because of all the different cultures and truly the Mexican food is just amazing. And <laughs> the, and the people, right. You have this great blend of Hispanic, um, Caucasian and natives. And there's just this beautiful coexistence with people in that area that, um, I don't find other places. So I moved up here after grad school. Um, I went to New Mexico state and, I got a degree in psychology and then my master's is also in psychology, but it's human factors engineering. And it's basically the computer side of psychology. So how does our mind take in information from a different source, i.e. a computer, and then how do we best help the mind um, take in that information, retain that information and use technology. So it's because I found that I couldn't really use my psychology degree because they didn't have a therapeutic side there. Um, so I needed to find something that I could get a job. So I came up and started with IBM as a co-op and then they hired me on full time. And then, um, so I was in this really cool lab where we got to watch people use the system and figure out how their brain was utilizing it. So if I look back at the trail of all my, where I am now in life, I can see all of these beautiful turning points um, that brought me to where I am today and um, was with IBM for 25 years. I left doing technical work um, about year 15 and I started managing teams and I started building teams worldwide. And what that meant was we needed to move work from the U.S. to emerging countries. And so I had teams in like the Philippines and Africa and Europe. And it was great because I really got the ability to see people in um, economies that were just very different than ours, cultures that were different. And so it allowed me to observe them and see how they learned things and how they got skills and um Long story short, um, there's, I think, a time when you're in a career where it just gets to be untenable. And that's what happened with me. Um, they were having me do things like lay off a lot of people. And um, 
just really do hard things for me. And so I realized their values were different than my values. And so I took a medical leave of absence because it was really stressing me out physically to the point where I was struggling with anxiety and depression and I was going through menopause and the way I neurally worked my whole life, I, I couldn't find skills anymore to cope. Again, it was a values thing, right? It, it, I wasn't coping. And I just want to share one really quick story. And cause this is inner growth who I am now, I was standing next to my CEO, who's a female. She was the first female um, CEO of IBM in over a hundred years. And she was recognizing me for something, which was beautiful, right? Because it's a 400,000 person company. So to be there in that space and with her, um, I really looked up to her and she was talking about me. And I truly heard this little voice in me that said, um, this isn't where I want you anymore. And I really struggled with that to the point over the next six months, I was like, whoa, wait, that's just not in line with what I want, right? Like I have worked this hard. I made good money. I had a lot of the things that I felt life was supposed to be giving me at that time. And I just really struggled that I have a strong faith and I knew where that voice was coming from for me. And it just got louder and it kept presenting itself in a lot of different spaces in my life that I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so fast forward now, I started a company with one of my best friends where we help young adults, 14 to 26, um, figure out what their next steps are because we figure if we can do it between 14 and 26, they have a much better probability of being successful than if they wait until they're in college like I was or out of college and they find the degree that they got wasn't what they wanted. And so, although a large majority of our time is spent doing college counseling, like how do you get in college? A lot of my time is on the backstory, which is understanding what their gifts and strengths are and how does that align with their future? They could be just one step ahead or it could be five years ahead, but that's my space is really understanding um, every unique person, young adult and how to help them get them to the next step. So I've been doing that for about eight years now. And truly, I think I could do that probably the rest of my life. Um, I just, I just love young adults. Bottom line. I just, I think that they are such a beautiful canvas and if they have the right words spoken into them, that they can do amazing things. They just need to have it reflected back to them and um, be empowered to step forward and do the thing that they've been purposed to do on this earth and walk in that space. So um, yeah, that's, that's me. Thank you so much. That was a very thorough. It is. I did not know that that's what your master's degree was in. I knew you worked yeah. for IBM, but I, yeah. I didn't know that that's what your master's degree was in. That's yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Now. Okay. 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 What is something you can't go a day without doing? Mm, I cannot go a day without, I know this is going to sound crazy, without working out my body. Um, and specifically, I need to get outdoors. So it is very difficult if I cannot get outdoors and work out. And what I mean by workout is a lot of times it's just a good walk with my dog, but it's almost like sleeping or eating for me if I've not moved my body. Um, yeah. It's a pretty common answer for yeah. people who are neurodiverse, moving yeah. their body and so on. But I like the outdoor yeah. piece outdoor to it. Yeah. It's great. 
Um, what habit have you found that helps your brain the most? Mm. So for me, the thing that's helped me the most is mindfulness. Um, I discovered it when I was really struggling with that time I was leaving IBM and, um, I just could not stop with the room ruminating thoughts. And I, I, I just, I literally felt like I was losing my mind. And so I went to two six week courses. Um, I did one and then I practiced it and then I kind of lost my way. And then I took another course and, um, and, and a lot of it is just the meditation, the breathing, the, the things that slow my brain down, because if I get too in my head, I start having that fight or flight and I, I can't get out of it. And so for me, I'll even do it. I was in Sprouts this morning and I was doing, I find when I'm in the checkout line, if I, I feel somewhat trapped when I'm putting my stuff on the conveyor belt and there's somebody ahead of me and somebody behind me yeah. and I, I I, it's the weirdest place for me to start losing control, but I do. And so I just have to do it. And then it helps me center myself. Nice. And then last, what are you excited about today? You know, I'm really excited about two things. One, I'm excited that I feel like I'm in the flow with what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I wake up and I open my email, I don't feel that sense of, being overwhelmed like I did in the past, you know, I'm like, okay, I can get through this. I can figure all this out. So that feels really good. And then I'm really excited about um, all the different things that I'm doing. So whether it's um, women in this, um, you know, faith study that I'm with, or just life and people that I'm interacting with. Um, yeah, that's what I'm really excited about. Awesome. Thank you. Um, it's nice when people have a unique answer to that question. So, um, so tell us a little bit about, I know you told us like what you do, um, at, uh, discover pathways, which is your company, but, um, like, tell us what the process looks like from like the, the student's point of view. Yeah. So the students have been fed a narrative, I think, from society that they're supposed to be doing certain things at different times. And so for them, it's trying to figure out the steps involved to get through that path, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, they also are trying to get information because they don't know what they don't know, right? Mm -hmm. They're hearing from friends that have gone before them family members, but a lot of times what we experienced um, in college and or in our education path, is very different than what the young adults are experiencing now. Right. And so they right. really can't relate. They, they, you know, the words we're telling them just don't make sense to them in the, their world. And so part of it is educating them on these are your different options. There isn't just one option. It can include college. It can include training. It can include military, gap year, um, work, education. I, I mean, it just, they, they have to hear that there's freedom and that they're not behind. They all think they're behind if they choose something different. And they all feel like everybody else knows what they want to do, but they don't know, or they think they do, but really it's not the right thing for them. No. So that's what they're coming to 
to us for. And the other is they don't want to be told by someone like me who doesn't know them. What we use is a lot of tools and techniques that help them discover who they are. So all we do is mirror it back to them and then show them how it fits in the framework of what they want to do. So as an example, if they are super artistic, then we talk about what are the different artistic paths. Um, As you guys are going to talk to Josh, my Josh is a tattoo artist. And from the time he was probably three, there isn't a super excited about interviewing him. He's so awesome. And I am not saying that because I I just love the idea of like showing a really different form of being successful. So yes, we talk to him next week. So we're very excited. I'm, I'm really excited because he and I spent, and I won't sidestep too far, but he and I spent three hours last week talking about his career, talking about his path, his narrative about himself, um, you know, all these things that go in line with what you guys are talking about. Right. So it was just really sweet to have him dump, but really dump for like three and a half hours. And I was like, wow, (laughs) but because I know how his brain works and mine works a lot like that. I just wanted to give him that space, but it was, yeah, it was a lot, um, super cool and profound, but anyway, um, going back to the students, I think it's really more of them, if, if a student walks out with them knowing themselves better and really, really honoring that, then I feel successful. And if they have steps to get to the next step, that's awesome too. But really, if they learn some key things about themselves, that will continue to unfold for them. And then it's easy to, to be like, oh, you do this at this time and you do that at that time. But um, yeah, that's, that's it from the student's perspective. Cool. So what happens if, what happens if the students um, ideas about what they want are vastly different than the parents, Mm. right? Like I definitely felt a lot of pressure to go to college. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I love my art history degree, even though I don't use Mm. it really at all. Like I just, I love art and I love knowing Mm. about art. And I love like, I have an app where I get like a, painting every day and a little Mm -hmm. more about it right but I like being able to like walk into any museum and being able to be like I know about that like I know more (laughs) than the average person about that stuff right even though I don't use it but I felt a lot of pressure like there were no options you're going to college Mm -hmm. that that was it I I had no other options I felt like um but there are lots of uh, like I love this idea of like if you're artistic there are a hundred paths to take Right. You can take any one of those paths, right? So what do you do when the parents, when the parents' ideas are very, very different than the students? Well, part of that is just the, the um, articulating of that, right? A, a lot of what's going on in the kids' heads and the parents' head is unspoken, but it's mm-hmm. sometimes spoken, mm-hmm. but it's not spoken in full stories. And so part of it is really piecing out what is the expectation and understanding what the kids' expectations are versus the parents. And because, so there's a couple things. One, when I'm sit with students initially, it is, a, I begin with the parents and the students, but what I'm really looking for is the dynamic of that relationship. If the kids start pulling back and the parents start leaning forward, I realize I'm dealing with a strong parental narrative 
about what they want for the kids. If the kids are more forward and the parents are very silent, even if they have to sit on their hands, right. <laughs> to not say something because they're trying to honor their kids. Then I understand that they're, they're struggling with it, but they're going to allow me and they trust me to come alongside their kids. So I'm really feeling a lot of that. Then I immediately take the students one-on-one and I very vocal with the parents to say, you're not the one going to college. You're not the one taking the next steps. So is it okay? Do you give me permission to basically meet with your students alone and have some of these discoveries? The students have this whole discovery phase and then they go back and they tell their parents what they discovered in a safe environment. And I sit there with them and I'm, if they won't say something, cause they're afraid of what their parents think, like, I want to go to art history school and I don't want to be an engineer. And I know that that's what they want because that's what came up for them. And that's what they vocalized to me. I will create that space where we can say it out loud. And then I try to manage that relationship as best I can with the parents to again, remind them, but I have some really tough parents that over this course of six to 12 to 18 months that I have to keep having these conversations with on why is an Ivy league so important to you? So let's talk about outcome, right? And, and to me, this is where my background at IBM has given me the ability more so than I think somebody that's been a college counselor their whole career or worse come out of a high school because I can go what I call toe to toe with the parents. I can say, I was a successful executive. I was an employer of very talented people. I know you don't need the best college for that. If I had a Harvard graduate resume in front of me and a New Mexico state, Sometimes I would choose the New Mexico state because they had better skills, better soft skills, right? So I can actually say that to them and it's my truth and they can't really push back, right? That because it, it is fact. And so this, this, that thought of only certain schools deliver certain incomes and certain outcomes is BS. And, <laughs> and I will say that in front of the students, in front of the parents, And so far, I've only had maybe two or 3% of the parents basically be like, you're not the right one for us. And I will flat out say if their goals are to get their kids into an Ivy League school where the kids' goals are not comparable, I will often say, I am not the right person to put the round peg in the square hole. Like, I'm just, I'm not. But um, they it's through all these conversations and these subtleties of letting parents vocalize their biases and letting the students have a voice because a lot of students don't have voices around their parents. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't (laughs) at all. Right. So um, even like I changed my major three times. First time I went to school, I majored in what, like my mom said to major in, which the was second time I majored in just like business, right? Mm-hmm. When I changed my major to business, I was like, oh, a business degree, like it's a good solid degree. I'll like <laughs> right. get a job when I get out and figure it out later. Right. Right. Um, and then I was like, no, I really like art history. So then I changed again. Right. And still graduated on time. Wow. Because my parents sent me to a private school and my mom, my mom's last words to me when she dropped me off were, we'll pay for 
eight consecutive semesters. If you fail a class, you pay to retake it. Yeah. I was like, okay. okay. I wasn't in school, right? Um, I excelled in college, right? Because I probably got that warning (laughs) that it was really important. And once I started studying art history, then I, you know, that was- Oh, you loved it. Yeah. It wasn't studying anymore, right? Right. So it was cool, right? And I worked for my art history professor and it was all great. Um, So I have a lot of clients who are neurodiverse in some way who run their own business, like you do. There's- um, there's a lot to running your own business, right? There are a lot of great reasons to run your own business, right? But but it's a lot, right? So like, it is. how do you make, I know you have a partner, but still, how do you make it fit? Mm. I guess your brain wiring, but also like, it's your second career. You did 25 years at IBM. That's a whole career. Mm. Most people would just retire and stay retired, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, So how do you make it fit sort of those two areas? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I have a business partner and Mary, another Mary, Mary Perry is very different than I am neurologically. Um, And we're all different. But when I say different, we are like black and white, which you would think it would cause issues. But because we know that about each other, because a lot of what we do is about neural discovery. So she knows how she's mentally wired. I know how I am. And so we truly parse out the tasks. She does a lot of the black and white tasks. She does the financials. She does the more detailed oriented things where I am detailed oriented. I can be very, very detailed oriented, but I really like to be a big problem solver. I like to be strategic. I like to create methodology and processes. And yeah, can I sit down and meet with students? And I do. Um, but what that does is it leads me to the bigger thing that I'm trying to do, right? So I take an individual student and I go, okay, we encountered this today, but what is what is that really telling me? Is that norm towards something or is that a one-off? And so that is very helpful. I also work with all women. Um, and so we um, really take care of each other. We're very, very nurturing. Um, and I will say this, there's not usually a phone call, a text or something where we don't tell each other, we love each other. I know that that crosses every taboo in business, but we truly are, our greatest value of our company is to serve each other and then serve our students and our families. And so we make sure that, um, we know we're accepted unconditionally, even if we have to help each other. Um, and correct each other, right? So even if we've done something wrong, um, it's always in a um, a nest of love where we we really um, respect the other person. One of the girls on our team lost her home in the fire, lost everything in the fire, not just her home, everything in her home. They did not get anything out. Um, and so we had to take a step back and really talk about how do we have good community and support for her. And, um, so work with all women, um, and that's designed for that reason. It's not to say men can't be that way. It's just right now, um, that works for us. And then for me personally, I know my strengths and I have to every morning focus on the things I don't want to do because otherwise I will not do them. Like I just flat out won't do them if I don't put it down on the spreadsheet and just start whittling away on my must do's 
And then I get to go off and do all the things that I love to do. And I allow myself that. Otherwise, I just get really behind on all of the bookkeeping stuff I need to do. Even if that bookkeeping is for students, like, oh, I'll research the school for you, or I'll do all these little things for you. I have to. That's part of my neurology. I've never been diagnosed, but I know that I'm ADHD. I've I've done enough research on Josh growing <laughs> up that, and you and I've talked about that, <laughs> that the way I approach things, I will literally have like 25 tests at one time I'm doing. And I'm really good at being like, oh, I didn't do that for that person. I need to do this. I watch the way Mary works because a lot of times we'll be in the office together and she is just very singularly focused. She she works through stuff. The second I get off the phone call with a student, I immediately want to jump up out of my chair and go walk around the house and kind of like, I call it shake it off. When my dog Willow is out and she encounters another dog, she has to shake it off because she gets so like fight or flight. And I literally have to do that after meeting with a student or a parent. And I have to set my timer on my phone for seven minutes. And I'm like, Mary, just sit for seven minutes, recap what it is you guys talked about your to do's. And then you can get up and go shake it off because if I can't shake it off, I can't move on to the next student. So it is this really bizarre thing I've learned about myself. I have to shake off other people's energy and the situation I was just in with them. Interesting. So that is very unique. I wonder, Um, right? Because a lot of my clients, like for a lot of people with ADHD, doing the like must do first thing in the morning just means they just don't do anything all day. Oh. <laughs> right. They yeah. need some like low hanging fruit first to like do a couple of things to get the train running. Yeah. That has now joined us. So, um, Hi. so, um, so, um, so that's interesting that that works for you. Yeah. I don't know that it works. It's just, it's what I have to do. And I think maybe my old job trained me. Right. I, I yeah. I think yeah. it's very influenced by years of, I mean, mm-hmm. For sure. Um, um, what else? What else do we want to know about Mary? Mm. So you said you could do this job for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, how much longer do you actually <laughs> plan on working? So I would love, because we have a nonprofit as part of our business too. So we mm-hmm. have a for-profit business and then we have a nonprofit. And our nonprofit serves first-gen migrant, um, underserved, low income. Mm-hmm. And I would love to make that Mary and I would both love to make that a bigger arm of our business because the people that can pay will always exist. And they always have the advantage. The people that can't pay will, will always have be at a disadvantage. So I would love to keep migrating more of our work over to our nonprofit and serve these kids. Like we work with a community college and their first gen I'd say 95% of them are Hispanic and mm-hmm. um, they, you know, their parents, you know, have non-technical jobs and careers. And so it's really cool for me to work with them and show them what they can aspire to be. And what's really cool is Anna Marie Valdez who used to work for me at IBM, um, Hispanic, first gen parents didn't go to college. Her mom didn't want to go to college. She went to mines and got, um, 
an engineering technical degree. And she's so good at working with these young adults because um, they see her as being similar to them. So there's that. And as I kind of mentioned, I have a faith and Sheila, you and I've talked about it a lot. I just, I love, um, I love exploring faiths with people and I don't mean religion, um, but religion can be a part of it, but I really love understanding the soul and what inspires the soul and how you work that with your being and what does it look like with purpose And so for me, why I said life, I could sit with anybody at any point and just listen to them as we've done, right? And Mm -hmm. understand what's important. And to me, it just opens up so much bigger space and connectedness and just, I don't know. I just, so I don't know. I don't know how long. I was just recently we're reading an article about blue zones, which are like areas of the world that have more than the average number of um, people who are over a hundred. Right. And so one of, one of the, or a couple of the pieces, a couple of the pieces that those people have in common is one, they have some kind of strong faith. Right. Um, and the other one, though, is that they usually work well beyond the retirement age and not necessarily like for like their own profit. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's like I volunteer somewhere. Right. Like when I was volunteering at the Denmark Museum, there were volunteers there who had had a whole career, retired mm-hmm. and then had been volunteering there for like 20 years. Right. Right. So, so it can be that kind of work. Right. But they, they have some kind of purpose well beyond the retirement age. So I definitely see, like, I see that in you for sure. Right. Um, So for the nonprofit, how do people find out about it? So it is on our website, the Mm -hmm. discover pathways. And, you know, we spell ways W A Z E. Yep. I'm going to put a link. Awesome. And just because the other way was taken. Right. As great as it always is. Um, and you can find out about, and we're actually redoing our website right now. We, we really want it to be more of our brand and more of our why. And um, 90% of how you hear about us is word of mouth. We don't advertise um, because, you know, families use us and use us. That's such a weird term. Um, you know, have us support them. And then they tell other families, which it's kind of interesting because I was thinking about you today and I get families that have what I call harder cases as far as like neurodiverse, mm-hmm. um, emotional, like anxiety, depression, kids that may or may not want to go to college. Mary gets more of your higher end, like athletes or your more selective schools. Right. And so they keep referring those people to her and they keep referring certain people to me. And even though we support everything, it's really fun watching our niches, um, come out and like Heather's from the South. And so students that want more of that Southern conservative, you know, that's, what's really cool is, is we, we have kind of a gamut and um, we're like, oh, that's a Mary person or that's a Heather person. So, um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, 
I was just wondering if like local high schools knew, although the local, I have found, maybe you found this. I have found that the local school district is reluctant to refer anybody who, who doesn't work for the school district. to Yes. Anybody. yes. You found that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And what's hard is I was, we were at the Monarch Postgrad Center, Mary and I, Mary actually took it over for about 10 years as a lead volunteer. And um, the, what we learned about the counselors in the high school is usually they have a minimum of 400 students per high school counselor. Some of them have up to 800. They usually can spend 15 minutes a year with their students. So they get, they get the high end achieving students. And then the students that they just need to keep in the door in the classes on, on task. And um, they're struggling. It, it's, but it's weird. They're struggling, but yet they don't want to reach out and utilize mm-hmm. external support systems. And I, I don't understand. Um, I don't know yeah. if it's res- resentment. I don't know if it's because a few of them have told me if they could do anything, they would do like what we do. And I'm like, then why don't you? Right? You, you, you obviously have the skills to do it. But at the end of the day, um, problem management, situation management is 90% of what they do. And it's, it's hard. I, I, the kids don't understand the system and the process. The parents don't, I didn't, when I was at IBM, I literally assumed somebody at Monarch High was doing everything that I'm doing for these kids. I I don't know why I was so delusional, right? How could they? There's no, I literally thought they did. I'm like, doesn't your high school counselor? And Josh's like, oh, mom, I don't even really know who they are. (laughs) My son definitely knew who his was because he was very in charge. My son and I made a deal that he could go to a specific high school if he did the IB program and Mm -hmm. engineering. Mm -hmm. And about Mm -hmm. two years into school, he made an appointment with me. To talk to me about why he wanted to drop the IB program and do just AP classes. Mm-hmm. But he had it all planned out. He was mm-hmm. like, this is why he had his reasons. He was very logical about it. He, um, <coughs> and he did, right? I mean, he ended up being one of three people in his class that graduated as an AP scholar, which means you got mm-hmm. a four or better on multiple yep. Yep. multiple tests in different fields, right? So He never got less than a four on an AP exam, Um, but he would go into his counselor and be like, hey, can you just sign this? Because I'm going to, I am going to do this. (laughs) He would just like tell them what he's going to do. He was so annoyed. It's like, was his like junior year in, in their infinite wisdom, they decided to put advanced calc and advanced, um, advanced. AP like physics like the same one class period and he was like I can't be at two places at once but I need both these classes (laughs) you're gonna pay for it and I'm gonna go to college and take this class and there he was like "Uh, okay that's (laughs) awesome (laughs) because he just wanted it I don't know did you know who your counselor was did you ever go see them in high school yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like sometimes Occasionally, yeah. occasionally. Yeah. You have to, right? There's certain things they sign and your your <laughs> curriculum you're signing up for. They have to look at it and make sure you're really going to graduate. It's 
I don't know. You know, one of the things we do is we have kids talk to kids that have gone ahead of them, right? So whether it's that college or, you know, I have kids that want to go into nursing. And so we have them talk to students that have gone through nursing school or are getting ready to go into nursing. So that's part of it is, again, kids don't want to listen to me as much as they want to listen to their peers. And so it's it's creating this community, right? And and also a network of professionals where it's like, okay, this OBGYN helped you. Now, when you're getting ready to work, call that person up, right? So it's all these things that students just don't want to do. They don't want to reach out and call somebody. They don't want to go shadow somebody. Most of them. We do have a few that'll do all of that, but I'd say 80% are like, oh gosh, don't make me call this person, you know? <laughs> There's so, really a big fear of like making phone calls in that whole generation. It's very strange. It is really <laughs> strange. Like the the look on their face when I'm like, "Do you feel comfortable calling them?" And they're like, "Can we just text?" I'm like, "No, you cannot text." Like this kind You're of a conversation. <laughs> no. So you said that um, your sort of niche within the business is sometimes those more neurodiverse kind of kids. Mm-hmm. What makes them? What makes them different and, and what do you think that you're doing for them that maybe they're not going to get somewhere else? One of it is just acknowledging that (laughs) this is what they are experiencing and it is real Um, because oftentimes they feel like they know it. Maybe their family knows it, but then society. So I'm just really validating And the other is I'm also trying to get them to resources like you or others that I'm like, this is not my bailiwick. Like I am not a pro in this, but I can recognize it. Or if they say I'm on a 504 or an ILP, and this is what my accommodation is. And then I will dig a little, like, what kind of support do you get? Um, You know, family, professional, the schools, teachers, you know, pastor, friends, and really make it part of the holistic um, package. And the other is when it comes to searching for colleges for them, I call it the gentler, kinder, right? Schools that really want to know you as a person, you know, CTCL schools, colleges that change life, lives. It's a consortium of small liberal arts colleges, usually around 2000 students or less that really nurture students in a framework of that the students can learn and be accepted and find community and get their degree versus, and, and there's nothing wrong with a CU and, um, type of school, but that environment is very, very difficult. And then like a DU has a special paid program where if you're neurodiverse or have accommodations, parents pay thousands of dollars a year to have you meet with a counselor, to have you get, um, an executive um, IE plan. Um, All of those things come with those thousands, whether I've heard they're successful if the students will meet with their um, counselor. That's an expensive school. I mean, Jack looked at DU and then was like, I'm not paying that for that. It's a very expensive school. And (laughs) they do give good money. They give really, really good money for top performing students Mm -hmm. uh, that will make it, I'm not going to say comparable to CU. It's not usually, um, but at the end of the day, um, U of A also has a special program, the SALT program, where it um, you pay extra money 
because bottom line, the college's student support, student success services or student support services center Mm -hmm. is there and it exists, but it's very hard for students to figure out how to navigate it and get what they need. Right. They're they're there. (laughs) Yeah. We know. Right. (laughs) Right. But these SALT programs or the program at the U you go in each week or however monthly, weekly, and you meet with your person and they look at your classes, they look at your homework, they look at, right, they 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 work with it's all these extra accountability. Mm-hmm. Sure, right? I mean, most neurodiverse people need more accountability, not less accountability. So sending them yes. off to, sending them off to just a regular <laughs> college is, that's all why only 15% of them graduate, right? Um, I didn't know those stats. Yeah, it's pretty low, um, right? So you really need, you need, really need to build in either your own accountability or you need to, you know, have a program where you can afford to pay for it. But a lot of people can't afford to pay for it. Right. You know what? You mentioned something that's pretty cool. Um, something different now than, especially when we went to school, is these certificate programs. So I got a certificate program from UCLA for college counseling, and it was seven classes and a practicum that helped me through getting kids through this process, right? So whether it's financial aid or choosing colleges or your strengths, whatever it is, you know, the topic varied, but those seem to hold, I'm not going to say as much weight as a degree, like a major, like a bachelor's or that, but they're very applicable. So you have these students that do not want to go to traditional college but they're willing to get a certificate and or associates and then figure out what the next step is. So I do think that the colleges are trying to do better by way of students. Let's say if you want to be an accountant or you want to do something like what I'm doing, um, you really don't need four years of all these gen eds and, you know, taking world history, right? right? You don't. Um, These schools that teach you how to be a programmer, right? In 18 months, if these kids that just want to be a programmer, right? They, they want to go in. So I love that the traditional colleges are getting more competitive in offering what people need versus what they want to offer them. Right. And I mean, a bachelor's degree is just a fortune. It's so expensive, you guys. So expensive. It's really, I mean, we're really fortunate. Jack got boatloads of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. But like, it's just a fortune and it, you know. And, you know, I would tell you, most parents don't know. I, I encounter, why would they, right? They don't know what they don't know. They've got a ninth grader and all of a sudden they're starting to look at it and they're like, wait, you mean CSU is close to 30,000. And I go, yeah, what's worse is the average graduation rate is five and a half years now, not four. That's the average. So if you multiply now five times 30, $150,000, and then the student loans. And so I'm really trying to get creative with parents and and honestly, financials are the one of the first things I talk about with the parents. I'm like, for sure. Let's, let's talk affordability. Mm-hmm. Like and and, and and yeah. And let's let's talk yeah. about let's talk about wh- what is a good return on your investment, right? Do you really want to go to a UC school that's 70k a year? Right. I think it's um Regis that has a program with Front Range that you do mm-hmm. like the first. 
is it two years? I think it's the first two years and they automatically just like accept everything because they know you're in this program, Mm -hmm. Um, which has got to be right. I mean, definitely want to have a client who um, isn't sure what they want to do, but they know they will probably end up going to school. I go, yeah, you want to do your first two years at a community college. (laughs) Yeah. I sell it hard. Don't pay for. Right. It, but also you have professionals from the community versus tenured professors that are out in the environment doing the thing they, their profession, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so in some ways you could argue they're, they're better suited to teach you. Then the second that you said is that in these community colleges, all Colorado state schools take all if you get your associates, right, and, and it's your set set, like your business classes or your engineering or biology, if you get those set two years worth, they will transfer to any Colorado State College. So, um, yeah, and it, and all the states are forcing their four-year schools to do that with the two-year um, community colleges because these poor kids that couldn't afford it were jacked around by getting all these classes at a community college, then they'd go to their four-year institution and they were like, sorry, we don't take that communications class. We take this one. And they were paying for it again. And so the government came in and was like, nope, we're done with that. So right. those, are the, those are the little things that are happening. Um, I push community college all the time. Yeah. Why not? I mean. It's so affordable it's- comparatively. I think you get a great, I, I think the community college teachers, professors know their students better. They call them out on stuff that needs to be, I, mm-hmm. I just feel like um, as compared to some of the larger institutions where you're in a class of three to 500 students, I don't even know that you're there. Right. right. For sure. So, yeah. Do you have any questions, thoughts, ideas? I know you're like, I'm way past this. <laughs> she is. She, um, Paige had a, a rough year at college when she went to college. It was bad um, in mm. every way. Um, and then she did some community college and then she stopped doing community college and then she went back to community college. And at this rate, like she's so high up in her job now that she'd have to take a pay cut. Yep. She'd have to finish paying for classes to get the associates that she was working towards and then take a pay cut. Yeah. To get one of those jobs. So she's like, well, maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's so, okay. Right. It's, it's totally it's, okay. It's, it's totally okay. It's, it's a college is a means to the end. So if you've I've kind of gotten to the end, which is the salary you want and maybe the skills you want to acquire, you've kind of bypassed an expensive part of the path, right? Or you did it a little and you're like, this isn't for me. It's similar to what Josh will share with you. He went to Santa Barbara city college. I think he ended up getting his associates there um, when it was all said and done. And he's like, mom, if I never take another class, formal college class again, I'll be fine because he takes classes from artists all over the world in right. his genre. Right. So in the end I was like, Josh, I don't, I don't care. I, and to these parents that care a lot, I have to explain to them, why do you care so much? Right. Why does that paper really mean enough to you to pay $200,000 for it? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a hard no for me. You know, as long as my kids are all good, nice, decent people, 
who mm-hmm. treat others well. Mm-hmm. So no. Paige, I have a question for you. What is it you're doing now? Um, what are you doing now? Tell me. Tell um, me. I, so I work at a grocery store. I'm a man. Oh, I'm in a manager position mm-hmm. um, in a department at a grocery store. We like people place their grocery orders online and we like mm-hmm. gather all of their stuff mm-hmm. and take it out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so um, every day is, it, it matches her brain though, right? She's <laughs> moving around all day. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. Yep. Right. I mean, sometimes it gets a little overwhelming and stressful, but she's learned to, to deal with that or to kind of half expect it. Um, especially like, oh, there's a holiday this weekend, right? Oh, people are going to be barbecuing this weekend because it's Memorial Day or Labor Day right, or whatever. Right, like right. I, I can like now mentally prepare myself that work's going to be a little nuts. Right. But like. Yeah. Her sitting at a desk all day would like kill her soul a little bit every day. Yeah. 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 For sure. So, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say that we didn't ask you, Mary? Mm-mm. I'm just thankful for you guys and yep. I'm thankful you're in my life. Yeah. You as well. Mom is one of my best gems in my life. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mary's the best. Yeah, Mary, who's the best. Um, yeah. So cool. I'm gonna stop the recording part and then. Okay. Bye. Oh yeah. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye, you guys. Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at BigBangCoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at the ndtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to the neurodiverse toolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.